ST 2016. This is interviews, music reviews, and more. This is this is the Hotter Show. What is up, everybody? We are on Audio here today in episode 310 of The Hotter Show. I hope you guys are doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so very much for tuning in and clicking that play button on today's episode of the podcast, a special Friday edition here of The Hotter Show. And we got something super cool here for you as we have a brand new segment here on The Hotter Show entitled Hotter's Hits and Misses. And Basically, in a nutshell, this is kind of a different take on a review show. In the past, I've done reviews on things and given my opinions, and that's always fun. But what can we do to take that to a next level? Well, is it a hit or a miss? We have some fun with that. I'm joined on the first episode by my man Chris Ouch from Dragged and also from Seagrave, and we are deciding whether or not Limbiscuit's brand new record that just came out on October 31st still sucks is a hit or a miss. We go through each track, talk about what we like about it. We talk a little bit about why we both love Limbiscuit and how big of Limbiscuit fans we are. We talk about each track a little bit in detail and then decide whether or not each one is a hit or a miss. And let me tell you, there were some surprises on here for me. You know, Chris is a huge Limbiscuit fan, so am I. There's a couple tracks we disagreed on, so that was really fun to have a little fun conversation about what I liked about it, what he didn't like about it. And then at the end of it, we decide whether or not the album is a hit or a miss. So this is a lot of fun. I'm super excited about this. I want to hear from you guys on this. If you listen to this right now on Spotify, there should be an option somewhere for you to vote on the question that I let out, whether or not you think that Limbiscuit still sucks is a hit or a miss. Or if you are on the Instagram I have a story up with this. I want to hear from you guys. Do you think this album is a hit or a miss? Let me know. I want to hear from you. Before we jump in, though, I want to give a humongous shout out to everybody who supported the last couple of weeks of The Hotter Show. I had a lot of content for Halloween. Peterbilt Paranormal, that was such a fun episode to do. My narration of The Raven and then some of the Dread Files content. I had a lot of really kind words about that. So thank you, everybody, for all of the support. And also, I want to give a huge shout out to my man, Mike, over at Mike's Mystery Mansion, as I was just actually on his podcast last night, live on YouTube. Go check it out, Mike's Mystery Mansion. We talk about the Dread Files and how that content all came to be and some of the, the stories I've worked on there. Talk a little bit about the Hotter Show. Talk a little bit about Mike's and Beers. A little bit about Two Guys in a Game. A little bit about my podcast journey. Talk a little bit about beer. And then we end off talking about some uh, paranormal encounters I had, mostly at Gigs Music and also that uh, Mike has had in his life as well. So really a lot of fun. Huge shouts to Mike. That was uh, that was a blasty blast. So go check out Mike's Mystery Mansion anywhere you find your podcast or the live video on YouTube. With that out of the way, we are ready to jump into this brand new segment here on The Hotter Show, Hotter's Hits and Misses with my man Chris Ouch from Dragged where we are deciding whether or not Limbiscuit still sucks is a hit or a miss. Let's get into it. Coming at you with that new hotness, yo. Fuck yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. I'm super hyped for this because we are coming at you here with a brand new segment on the Hotter Show called Hotter's Hits and Misses. And... 
we have a stellar first uh, ever episode of this segment here for you as myself and my man, Chris from Dragged. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are going to be deciding whether or not here today, if Limbiscuit's brand new record that just came out on October 31st still sucks is a hit or a miss. So we're going to, Talk a little bit about the record. Talk a little bit about Limbiscuit because we're both big Limbiscuit fans. So we're going to kind of, you know, talk shit about each other for that. Then we will, we're going to talk about each track, whether or not we think the track is a hit or a miss, and then kind of give an overall opinion of the record, whether or not it is a hit or a miss. And you're going to hear this fun sound effect we've already been doing. <laughs> if it is a hit, you're going to hear. Yeah. And if it is a miss, you're going to hear. Keep on rolling, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. <laughs> so, Chris, man, first and foremost, what's up? It's good to see you. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's good to be back. Always have a, a great time doing these with you. We always sit down, have a bunch of drinks, and just fucking talk shit for like two hours. So, I'm stoked to be back. And obviously, um, you know, being able to do this, talking about one of my favorite bands of all time. You're probably the only other dude I know who's like a huge <laughs> fucking Limp Bizkit fan. So I think this is probably the best uh, match made in heaven to do this episode. Oh, for sure. Like on top of the fact, yes, you know, I am a, I am a Limp Bizkit fan and I'm a Limp Bizkit defender. So it's cool just to do this episode and it's exciting because it's something new. I've never done anything like this before, really. But it's also like, it's such a great match, like you said, because you are a huge Limp Biscuit fan too. So it's just like, it's perfect. Yeah. But I'm just curious, what got you into Limp Biscuit? Because I know what got me into Limp Biscuit, but like, what, like, what was the first song you heard? What got you to be such a big fan of Limp Biscuit? Yeah, for me, man, it was uh, as soon as I saw fucking Nookie on Much Music. <laughs> um, I saw that video, and you know, being like a fucking at the time, like a fucking eight or nine year old kid and uh, seeing that video and just thinking they looked badass. And then obviously seeing fucking Wes all done up in that video too. I was oh, just yeah. like, what the fuck is this man? Like, this is wild. And uh, I have a sister too, who's like nine years older than me. And uh, at the time she had, uh, I used to steal her CDs all the time and she had significant other, she had uh, fucking starfish and uh so i would jack hers and fucking listen to those to death like i remember you know listening to starfish so much like that fucking cd didn't even play anymore <laughs> um same thing with like corn too i used to jack her corn records all the time like life is peachy more than anything and uh, yeah yeah that's really what started it for me man and then the love just grew and grew and grew and then uh i won't lie i kind of fell off for a bit with them and kind of rediscovered them when i was in my like mid-20s i would say and was just like, man, how did I ever stop listening to this? And uh, until this day, I love him to death. Like, fuck, anybody who knows me knows I got a fucking huge Fred Durst portrait on my leg tattooed. So <laughs> it's uh, it's it's love till death, man, for me. Well, that's the thing, too. Right? Like, because, like, yeah, like we're both the same age. So, like, for us, you know, uh, I guess older millennials or whatever the fuck, we grew up in that new metal phase. Oh, and big time. there yeah. wasn't a lot of bands that were bigger than Limp Bizkit as far as in that new metal phase. Almost the, the new metal daddies, I think uh, Fred refers to them at some point in the, during this yeah. record here. So to have them come back so strongly yeah, 
and in such a big way, which, you know, obviously I don't want to spoil anything, but like, listen, guys, we're both big Biscuit fans. We're talking about the record. You can probably assume where this is going, but we'll get to that in a little bit here. One thing I want to, one thing I just want to interject too, like, you know, talking about their comeback and stuff like that, even before this record drop, man, when they started doing festivals and shows again and stuff, and you started seeing, you know, live clips of them playing, it was so fantastic to me. And I'm not just saying this being biased, being a big Limp Bizkit fan, but what really caught me and, and made me fucking so happy was it was very obvious that it wasn't just that fucking money grab. It wasn't oh, just for sure. like they put the fucking effort in to rehearse and like they sound amazing live. Like you watch any live clips right now, like Fred sounds probably the fucking best he ever has live. Yeah. Like they, they came back and just fucking crushed yeah. it. And, <laughs> and they, uh, they came back and just crushed it and just like, you know, went full head and obviously we'll get there, but you know, even on the record too, went full head into the whole thing of being like, yeah, we're back. We know that most people think we fucking suck ass, but that's our gimmick and we fucking play into it. Like for sure. And that's, what's so cool about it. Right. Like, it's just, you know, as someone who got into Limb Biscuit, obviously like, you know, I, I heard, I mean, I heard Roland, come on, you know, yeah. come on with it. That's it, man. <laughs> I was like, yo, keep rolling, 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 you know, for sure. And then obviously hearing, you know, the entirety of chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. I was like, what the fuck is this? But what really got me to be such a huge Limb Biscuit fan still to this day, I shouldn't say huge. Like I, I'm not, I don't think I'm as big of Limb Biscuit fan as you are, but like I heard stuff like eat you alive with yeah. fred screaming his head off i saw the performance that limbisca did for metallica's mtv icon where they do sanitarium was, yeah that was a big one too man and i just went holy fuck like yes they have great fun songs they've got yo keep rolling roll like okay cool right on but like there's some serious talent here big that time. gets the- overlooked because I, of the gimmick of Limbiscuit, you know? I 1,000% agree. That That's probably one of my biggest points whenever I'm fucking defending Limbiscuit to somebody <laughs> is, uh, you know, if you can look past uh, the gimmick that is Fred Durst, right? Like, yes. that's a, another thing I think a lot of people overlook is they think that, you know, Fred Durst is just like that. Like, that's Fred Durst. And it's like, you realize he's, like, playing a fucking character, yeah. right? Like, that's, that's, his, that's his shtick. Like... And then on top of that too, that, like you said, right. That's one point I always bring up. Like, I'm sorry. Like, even if you just tune out Fred Durst, when you're listening to a biscuit song, especially anything off the first three records, like the fucking musicality in those albums is like insane. Like mm-hmm. trend setting how many, how many West Borland wrists from back then are just like, dude, if you threw those in drop G, tell me they couldn't be on like a fucking North lane album. Straight up, especially like going back to three dollar bill, y'all. Like big time. Some of the shit on there. I'm like, whoa, like I forgot how great of a record three dollar bill y'all was. And like I went back and I mean, obviously, sour, come on, you know. I was like, what the hell is this? You know, but like there's so much musical talent in this band that. We, we, we could probably talk about it all night. Like just, you know, 100%. you look at the musicality of the band, you look at the lyrics of the band, you look at when they play a serious song, mm-hmm. that's like, you know, 
you look at just even Fred again. Like I, I told you before, I have this statement I'm going to make. I'm going to make it right now because I'm going to fuck. We're already talking about it. To me, when it's all said and done, as far as that 2000s era and the new metal genre, I think a lot of people would actually a lot of people probably would disagree. For, I think Fred's going to go down as he, I mean, he's for sure got to be within the top five as far as his vocal style, because he can rap, he can sing rock, he can sing like pretty acoustic stuff, and he can scream his fucking head off. Yeah, big time. Not, who mean, else can do that? It's not a lot I'm of guys huge, that can do that. Honestly. I'm a huge fan of, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, Fred's screams more than anything, too, because he's got that scream where it's just like, it's just fucking raw emotion, you know? Like, yeah. it sounds like he's fucking losing his goddamn mind. Very much like Corey Taylor in the early yes. days, too, right? Like, He's got that just fucking straight raw motion and uh, it comes through big time. For sure. And I mean, like, especially like, like, you know, I already, I already mentioned eat you alive and how much of a fan I am of that song. And like, you know, and again, like the performance of them doing sanitarium that made me a fan of Fred more than anything that, and then there was a performance that he did with Wes Scantlin from puddle of mud where the two of them were singing thank you by led zeppelin and Should it was this I? I beautiful acoustic thing they did it in an award show and then jimmy page comes out and plays a really sloppy solo um, <laughs> yes yeah. that's jimmy page um but like you know obviously like i'm a humongous fucking stain fan so like yeah stain outside featuring fred durst come on like for sure yeah just the amount of musical talent in this band is crazy and to see them kind of fall off the wagon in like 2005 ish, you know, Wes leaving the band, all that stuff. I go, well, actually, I guess he, he left in 2003. Yeah. They did results may vary, which has some great moments. One of my favorite Limb Biscuit songs is on that, you know, build a bridge is one of my favorite Limb Biscuit songs. I love that fucking song. For and sure. It's like, uh, I was going to say for sure. And like, you know, I was saying to you, we were talking about this before we got started too, right? Like, I love how, uh, you know, when they brought in the guitar Mike player. Smith. Yeah, when they brought in Mike Smith, they were just like, all right, man, give us your best West Borland riffs. <laughs> and that's just, pretty much what that whole album was. You need Wes. You, can, you can't you can tell that Wes. Yeah. 1,000%. You can tell that, uh, you know, he was just imitating Wes and they were like, just trying to imitate him the best you can. For sure. And I mean, you know, when they came back with the Unquestionable Truth Part 1, like, that's an album I think a lot of people forget about. Big time. But then going from that in 2005 to 2011, when they dropped Gold Cobra, mm-hmm. like that was like the return of Limbiscuit. They're back to form. And there's some good stuff on there. But big time. Yeah. Comparing that to then 10 years later, where they have dropped Still Sucks, October 31st. And what's interesting too is this album was really caught in a production hell for they they started working on this in 2011 and there was interviews all the way back to 2013 or 12 i believe yeah i think it was like 2013 where wes was like yeah like shit's done (laughs) like you know he's like we have a ton of stuff done and apparently fred was holding stuff back because he wasn't happy with his stuff. Yeah. It wasn't that he wasn't happy with, and there's a bunch of stuff happened too. Like I think like DJ lethal was talking shit about 
Fred and John Otto and like, yeah, that he was fired in 2012, that he made an apology and then he came back and then they kept writing. 2015, there was reports of Fred holding it back because he wasn't happy. 2016, Metal Injection reported that they were back in the studio. And then it was June 2021, actually, because while all this was happening, I was kind of paying attention to it. Yeah. But I was like, this record, it was kind of like the tool record almost. For sure. Like it was yeah. like, is this actually ever going to happen? Yeah. And fucking Chinese democracy. That's <laughs> it. And it's funny you say that because there was a quote from where the hell was it? I saw a really funny quote. Um, oh, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Oh, no. I lost it. There was. Oh, here it is. Uh, reported they received notoriety for repeated delays. Uh, Team Rocket, which I guess is a, a a monthly heavy metal and hard rock magazine, dubbed it the Chinese democracy of new metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I that mean, sounds about right. Yeah. So all the delays, but in 2021, Wes was doing a interview, which he doesn't do a lot, and no. he had said, you know, we've probably. And I quote, we've probably in the last 10 years been in the studio to try and complete the record. I want to say seven times to in two different studios. And we've been working on stuff, working on stuff and working on stuff. And Fred Durst has been consistently kind of unsatisfied with where the vision is, I guess. We probably have 35 songs recorded instrumentally. He's done vocals on all of them. He's thrown all the vocals away, done vocals, said, fuck it, thrown them away. And he says, I think we're finally at a point now where he's going to pick a set of songs that he's hap cool with, and we're going to finish them and get the record out, fingers crossed. So that happened in, that was June of 2021, obviously, of this year. Yeah. And then they started playing sets, oh, like you mentioned yeah, earlier. They started, they started playing yeah, they started festivals. doing this festival circuit, yeah. And they did the Lollapalooza thing, and Fred came out in his yeah. new Dad getup, girl. and everyone went, what the fuck? fuck is happening, yeah. <laughs> And then they dropped dad vibes and I don't know about you, but I didn't, I, I, obviously I had seen the commotion on the internet about Fred's new look and everything. And I was like, this has to be like, something's happening. Like, you know, he's not just going to show up like that and there not be a reason, but I didn't know that they had a new song they were playing live. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. With uh, with at Lollapalooza actually, so what happened, which was kind of odd, if you watch that set, they didn't actually play Dad Vibes live. Technically, what they actually did is when the set ended, they played it over the PA as they were getting off stage. Uh, okay, and uh, I think I think they kind of banked on uh, like with Fred, you know, dressing up like he did and shit to promote. You know, they're banking on the controversy that was going to happen with that, which obviously obviously super worked. Um, Christ, I saw a bunch of Halloween costumes this year that were people yes. dressed up as dad, Fred Durst. Um, but it was great, man. And people were like, you know, I think people were stoked because it uh, it really got back into people's minds the the fact that, you know, Limp Bizkit doesn't fucking take themselves super serious. And they, yes. you know, and I think people had kind of forgot that. And I think that's why a lot of people shit on them all the time. They just think that... Uh, oh my god like they take this shit seriously like Roland is a serious song it's like no man <laughs> like what fucking what self-respecting musician would you think listens to that and goes oh yeah that's super serious like 
super like don't talk shit about that it's funny it's like, music like just yeah, fucking exactly. relax like just yeah. yeah i never understood that where people are like oh they're obviously taking themselves like look at wes look at how that motherfucker dresses yes it's an artistic yeah. thing but like come on man like yeah, you know it, it, relax but <clears throat> so when they drop dad vibes i wasn't expecting it i literally turned on spotify one day yeah. While I was getting ready to go to work, I put it on my car and it was like Limbiscuit, dad vibes. And I was like, is this real? Yeah, like, same. Literally the same thing happened. Shocked. To me in the and then morning, I put yeah. it on and of course right away, down, down, down. I was like, oh, this is fucking real. Yeah. And within 30 seconds, I was hooked. And I played that song on fucking repeat for I don't even know till the records come out. Now I've been playing the record on repeat. <laughs> yeah. Like dad, don't get me wrong. Dad is a good track and shit, but I'm, I'm really surprised if I'm honest that that wasn't single compared to what else is on the album. Yeah. And we'll, I think we'll definitely talk about that. Cause if I'm correct on one thing, I think you and I are both going to agree what the best song on the record is. At least I think so. I think so. Maybe, so we'll maybe, I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. We'll see. But so what we're going to do, guys, is like I said, we're going to go through each track and then we're going to say whether or not we think it is, of course, a hit or if it is a miss. Keep on rolling, baby. So 12 tracks clocking in at like, I think it's like 31 to 38 minutes or some shit like 32 minutes and one second. Not a very long record, and there was some controversy over that. Apparently, there was three tracks. Well, there was three tracks that they have dropped over the last 10 years, I guess, that were supposed to be on the record and got scrapped and blah, blah, blah. But we're not going to talk about that anymore because we want to get to the juicy part. The reason you're here, whether or not Limbus Could Still Suck is a hit or a miss. So we are going to start off with the very first track. Now, obviously, guys, full disclosure, I can't play you guys the tracks because... I would get flagged in this podcast to be removed. So if you would like, what we're going to do is we're going to pause, listen to the song, come back and talk about it. So if you want to do the same and we kind of do like a little commentary thing here, that would be cool. So we're going to jam to the very first track, which is out of style. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. All right. Out of style. First uh, track. Damn. Dude. When I first turned on the record because i said to myself i'm gonna listen to this record from start to finish without stopping i'm gonna just sit in my car and listen to the whole thing right away i'm like okay kind of cool dude the second that fucking riff hits i knew it was on yeah. <laughs> i agree man it uh yeah that riff is a fucking banger like it is i was saying to you before, like before we started um specifically about this track like one thing that's always uh you know, this makes it more evident than ever with what I've always said that, uh, you know, Wes is a fucking trendsetter with his riffs. Because, uh, yeah. you know, like, tell me that riff in fucking Drop G wouldn't be on like a North Wayne album. Straight up. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck, dude. Yeah, it's a, it's a fucking banger. It's That's literally... a def- I'm sorry? No, I was just going to say, it's definitely yeah, it's a, a hit. Yeah. yeah, right away. I think that we can both agree... But it's a fucking hit, yo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would have way too much fun with that. But what's cool, too, about Out of Style is like, you know, it, it's basically from what I get from it, lyrically anyway, it's Fred saying, hey, 
like Limbiscuit's never going to go out of style. Like that's to me, that is classic fucking Limbiscuit through and yeah. through, but it's just, it's kind of matured. And what was fun was when Fred first comes in in the verse, I was like, Oh, is this going to be like a more like serious kind of like, and then when he comes in and starts rapping, like I was just like, in my car driving like fuck yeah fred get it like fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure dude and uh yeah i think he's definitely uh i think he's definitely touching on some areas too where kind of shitting on uh gatekeeping and shit yeah. in in uh, rock and metal because you know you look at the post chorus there just after the first chorus uh you know he says we should be on the same yes. team on the, on the motherfucking same team if we ain't then we nothing nothing and you know what could be more true, especially nowadays, right? You get all these guys always being like, that's not fucking metal, man. Like, or it doesn't fucking gent, so it's shit. And, you know, I think that's just him shitting on all of that, being like, look, man, this is, you know, a niche fucking music style in general for everybody. And, uh, you know, if we're not building each other up, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, at this point in time, guitar-driven music in general, Yeah, I think is very much not as popular as it once was. So like, as far as I'm concerned, all of the guitar driven music needs to be on the same team because we're if, Hey, do you have distorted guitars in your music? We need to be on the same team because there's not a lot of that going on anymore. (laughs) For sure. And I mean, just to kind of sidebar on that, even too, like, uh, you know, regardless of the fact that uh, he kind of dug his own grave because he shit on Slipknot on stage. But, you know, you look at before that, for example, with MGK, uh, you know, you got all these people bitching and whining about MGK coming out with his album. And it's like, I don't know, man. That guy just put uh, pop punk and distorted guitars on the fucking mainstream for a lot of people. So in, in my, in my mind, that's uh, that's a fucking win. So, mm-hmm. and let's be real here. I'm sorry. As a pop punk fan, that album fucking slaps. It's a really good record. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, you know, yeah. You know, as much as I, I hate on, uh, on the guy, it's like, you know, I can't deny that there's some fucking, there's some bangers on that fucking record. <laughs> I think a lot of, I think a lot of people nowadays in general just have a really hard time separating the art from the artist. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as, uh, you know, a prime example I would, I would throw out there would be Marilyn Manson right now with all mm-hmm. the shit that's gone on with him in the press. And don't get me wrong. Like the allegations he has are fucking horrific. And, uh, you know, if they are true, I hope he, suffers the consequences of those but at the same time too you're going to tell me i'm not going to throw andy christ superstar on and be like yeah this record fucking still slaps like i don't care like <laughs> yeah you can't um and i i i'm guilty of that <clears throat> you know i i have a hard time sometimes separating the the artist from you know the art i think the best example of that was when uh when as i lay dying came back Right. Yeah, where yeah. I was like, I was like, I remember having like a moral dilemma when they dropped yeah. that first single. Cause I was like, this fucking slaps, but <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, for this sure. motherfucker did this. Like, and it's just, you know, that's obviously a, a extreme, you know, but like, yeah, I get separating the artists from the art and everything. It's like, I don't know how we, how we, we, we got on this tangent, but like, it's just, at the end of the day, 
guitar driven have, have distorted guitar driven music needs to be on the same team because not a lot of it out there anymore. You know, and why really. do you think and why do you think a lot of it's not out there anymore? It's because anytime you have somebody nowadays who's trying to get into it and stuff, you have these people being like, This is bullshit, this isn't true, fucking this, like you know what I mean? Like none of that helps. It all just makes us look like fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes you just gotta go with what you love. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need to have you, you, you sometimes you'll want something. And, you know, one thing that a lot of people do nowadays is when they're a band they love puts out music they're not a huge fan of for yeah. whatever reason. They're just like, oh, fuck, man. Like, oh, this new stuff sucks. Oh, God, I wish they'd go back to their old stuff. And, you know, sometimes a band understands that and they're like, hey, we get it. You want your dirty, rotten biscuit. Okay. <laughs> and that <laughs> that's the worst sec we ever. And that is what we got <laughs> with track two here of off Limbiscuit still sucks. Track number two, dirty rotten biscuit. Dude, what do you think of dirty rotten biscuit? I'm gonna say that's a bona fide hit, my man. That's a bona fide hit. Yeah. I absolutely agree. It's a hit. Yeah. What's not to like? about Dirty Rotten Biscuit. It is literally basically a love letter from Fred Durst and the guys to their fans saying, look, we know what you want. Here it is. Watch your Dirty Rotten Biscuit. Here you fucking go. And that's why that's why I got to say, uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, fucking either this or Out of Style being the banger track on the album. I'm pretty torn between uh, really? out, of okay. out of Style and this because just because this is the love letter to early Biscuit, man. Like, you have everything you fucking need in this for a Limp Biscuit track, right? You got the dirty fucking verse. That, that riff. This, that fucking riff. The, the, the chorus hook is yeah. really good. Yeah, really and, it's, good. and it's, it's classic Biscuit, right? Like, it's just fucking, it's simple, just fucking hard hitting. You go into the you go into the bridge. You have that classic Limp Biscuit bridge where it's just super reverby and fucking West goes into the cleans with the chorus pedal and like it's just it's everything you want in a Limp Biscuit song because that's fucking this is everything a Limp Biscuit song in two thousand would be. So absolutely, and that's the thing too. Like a lot of what I think I love so much about this record is a lot of songs, especially the first. I would say six songs in particular they sound like a slightly more mature version of what we would have gotten in between like chocolate starfish and results may vary yeah like kind of like almost in between that yeah basically to me it, it's like a ma- more mature version of what we would have got if west never left the band basically yep i would kind i would I uh i would definitely agree with that for sure and I mean, you know, they what's interesting, too, is I'm just looking at the the credits for the record here. And, you know, it says like all tracks written by Fred Durst, John Otto, Sam Rivers, West Bull, and except where noted. And there are three songs that were written by the entirety of the band. Yeah. Out of Style and Dirty Rotten Biscuit are two of the songs that were written by literally everyone in the band. Yeah. So like. I mean, come on, <laughs> that's gotta, that's gotta mean something. You get these five dudes together and they just make fucking bangers. What's not to like? 
thousand percent. And, uh, you know, everybody's on full display in this album too. I gotta say, like, you know, you got those classic fucking DJ lethal parts. You got fucking Fred calling out for the lethal parts. You got the dirty wrist from Wes, uh, you know, good hooks by fucking Fred. And he sounds, you know, the fucking best he has almost in a long time. And it's, I mean, uh, you know, John's drumming is fucking tight. Al- it's always spot on. Yeah. John Otto. In the pocket. Mm-hmm. I w- yeah. I would say a thousand percent. John Otto is an insanely underrated drummer. Oh, hundred percent. And I mean, don't even get me started on Sam Rivers. The dude's a fucking maniac oh. on the bass. <laughs> like, <laughs> for sure. Absolute for sure. fucking maniac. But yeah, Dirty Rock Biscuit, definitely a fucking hit for both of us. Massive hit. Yeah. For sure. So the next track, of course, is Dad Vibes. We already kind of touched on a little bit what we think of Dad Vibes, but overall, Dad Vibes, what was your reaction when you first heard Dad Vibes? The second you turned it on, what what were your just immediate thoughts right away? Immediately, I was kind of like, ah, just, what? Like, what? I don't know where they're going here. And then, uh, you know, once it kicked in the chorus, I'm like, okay, okay, I can see it. And, uh, you know, it kind of, it kind of had me in the in-between a little bit. I was like, I don't know if, uh, you know, we should expect the entire fucking, uh, record to kind of be like this, or if this is one of those kind of in-between tracks that are usually on Biscuit albums. And, uh, it turns out that is kind of what it was. And, uh, but it's just weird that, like I said, they would drop that as the first single. Now, I don't know if that was maybe them trying to just, uh, you know, play with the gimmick of, you know, his dress up and all that. And then on top of that, maybe trying to fake everyone out and be like, yo, this is what we sound, this is what we sound like now. And then, you know, you fucking actually get into the record. And as soon as that a style hits, you're just like, Oh damn, never mind." (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing too, right? Like, I think you're right on all fronts. I think it was like, they were like, okay, this is what Limbiscuit sounds like in 2021. Yeah. But also, here's this gimmick thing where it's like, oh, it's dad, Fred Durst, and here's dad vibes. And, you know, he's doing his little dance and shit. It's like, okay, cool. Like, it's it's a gimmick thing. And I thought the whole record was going to sound like this, too. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that's going to be heavier. And I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that's going to be like acoustic guitars, singing, you know, like there's going to be stuff like that. Yeah. But. I wasn't mad at the fact that like, okay, if most of the record sounds like this, it's a kind of cool 2021 updated sound of Limbiscuit. For sure. But I like, oh man, I wish there would have been stuff that was a bit of a throwback and we got that. So for me, dad vibes, it's a cool riff. It's got a cool hook. I, it's a hook I've been singing to myself. I was playing it on repeat up until Out of Style came out, and that now I'm fucking playing Out of Style (laughs) because I can't help it. And Dirty Rob Miska too is a great one, but for me, yes, it was a strange pick for the first single. But like again, I think you hit the nail on the head as to why they did that. But for me, on the record, especially where it is on the record, I think that it's a hit. Yeah. For me, anyway, what do you think? Is it a hit or a miss? Yeah, I'm gonna go hit. I. uh, (laughs) I. I think if there was a few things done different on it, it probably could have really potentially been a miss for me. But uh, I, get it. I think it I think it had just enough there for me to uh, to well vibe with it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! It's got enough. It's got just enough for me to vibe with it. I think the, the only bitch I have about it is 
I would like I, if I was like a really asshole reviewer, I'd be like needs more lethal. <laughs> like, just yeah, I would, really I would, I would, I would agree with that. Or even just, uh, you know, have, uh, have Otto and fucking Wes a little heavier into that chorus. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, just to make it pop a little more, but, uh, but overall, like it was still well executed and I, I still consider it a hit. Like I said, I think, sure. I think it could have very easily not been a hit though, to be honest. If it didn't have that fucking riff in the chorus. Yeah. I know how I'd feel about it. <laughs> I don't know how I'd feel about it. Wes is for sure on display uh, on these first three tracks as are, as is everybody, you know, but what's really, really cool is the fourth track turn it up bitch which is very much a kind of a throwback hip-hop track which limbiscuit was also apparently playing as one of their outro songs after they were done playing live and mm. it is a song that basically it's 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 really as far as on the record and in the history of limbiscuit i can't think of another song that really showcases sam rivers more than turn it up bitch I mean, uh, and I, I would agree. I mean, uh, you know, it in the past, in my opinion, anyway, a lot of the time that uh, you saw Sam Rivers really on display was in those, uh, like I was talking about earlier, those really reverby bridges and shit mm-hmm. like that. That's when you would more see him. Um, I think that this, uh, I think this track is is pretty dope in the sense that. Uh, it's a big throwback track. Like I get yes. the first time I listened to it, the the huge thing I got out of it personally was like fucking Cypress Hill vibes. Like yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big time Cypress Hill vibes, and uh, and it's dope, man. Like I, yeah, I can't I can't deny it. And uh, some <laughs> some of Fred's bars in this track too are fucking dope. I mean, uh, you know, here come the UAP master chief says danger. Like, <laughs> yeah, straight up. Like, it's just, he fucking nails it on this one. And I mean, again, very much a, th- a throwback. Like you said, Cypress Hill vibes. I mean, like what, what's more there to really say about turn up bitch. Like, again, it's also kind of, uh, another call out to people be like, Hey, you want some bang your head shit? Turn up bitch. Oh yeah. For <laughs> like, sure. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So we both agree it's a hit. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. I would say. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one was delayed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's good, man. It's uh, it's very much another case of uh, a Fred just showcasing that uh, you know they're gonna come out, they're gonna put out the record that they want to fucking put out. And, uh, you know, if you're a longtime fan and you like, you know, kind of their gimmick and their shtick, like this is for you. And if not, well, I guess our shtick isn't for you. (laughs) That's it. Go listen to something else. It is what it is. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But one song that I have seen a lot of hate for, and it might really not be for everybody, even the biggest Slim Biscuit fans is of the fifth track on still sucks, which is a cover of NXS's Don't Change, which it's an acoustic guitar and Fred Durst for the most part. There's yeah. some other stuff happening, but for the most part, it is a stripped down vocal acoustic guitar song. What did you think of Don't Change? So Don't Change, I uh, I won't lie. My first couple of listens through the record, I was really like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> and then um, 
but you know, after a while, I kind of, I kind of got to a space in my head where I, I kind of went, okay, you know what? Let me look at this track as not being one biscuit. Let me look at this track as solely if I had heard this and didn't know the band as just a straight acoustic track and a cover. And kind of once I got into that headspace, I uh, I started actually really liking it and started being able to appreciate actually how fucking really well it's done. It's extremely well done, especially like covering an in excess song is like, that's a bold move. Cause like, that's a band that there's a lot of controversy with the band. There's a lot of, there's such a unique new wave band that like, like I was familiar with the song before. Mm-hmm. And when I heard it, like I, I started listening to it and I'm like, holy shit, this is like, this is the cover of don't change. And I was like, it kind of almost didn't compute for a second while I was like, there are some definitely some differences, but it's a very well done cover. I mean, Fred sounds great on it. Yeah. Wes's acoustic tone is fucking amazing. I don't know what he was using for that, uh, that recording session, but it sounded utterly amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I got to agree, man. Like I said, after I was able to, uh, you know, wrap my head around kind of looking at it from an outside perspective as not limp biscuit, um, it really started to pop for me. And, uh, and I really started being able to look at it and go, God damn it. This is just a fucking really well done acoustic track. And you know what? Kudos to them because they did something that, uh, you know, not only would people not overly expect them to drop an acoustic track, but as you said, like who the fuck would have ever thought they would do yeah. an excess cover. So I got to say kudos to them in the sense that, you know, they just, they took something completely out of fucking left field and made it work. Absolutely. So we both agree it's a hit. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a hit, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're six, we're six and oh right now for hit for hits. This is great. That's, that's oh, sorry. Five and oh right now for, for hits. That's great. And one thing I wanted to have a really quick sidebar here. Did you like, because I saw a lot of people talking shit about this in particular track, probably more than any other track on the record. There's two. I saw a lot of people talking shit about this was one because apparently Limbiscuit only does shitty covers of shitty songs. Yeah. Did you like their cover of behind blue eyes? Uh, but my dreams. <laughs> I, I would say that, uh, I would say for that, to be honest, it's, it was kind of a, kind of the same thing as I was almost just saying with, uh, with don't change. Like, I fucking hated it when I first heard it, like when I was younger and that album came out and I heard it and, you know, and also too, like I was so young back then too, that I was essentially just like anything this soft is super pussy and gay. (laughs) But, um, but listening to it when I got older, it was kind of the same thing. You kind of, I was able to look at it and go, you know what, this is actually a pretty well done cover. Um, it, again, it's not what you typically expect from Limp Bizkit. Um, I personally, like, you're not going to catch me throwing it on. But again, I, can ap- yeah. I can appreciate that it's at least well done. And, uh, and yeah, I, that, I, I would say I, I'm kind of in between on it. Like, if you were to get, if I were to give it a out of 10, like, you'd probably catch me at, like, maybe 4.5, 5. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Can I tell you, can I tell you something really funny? Mm-hmm. So the Behind Blue Eyes cover was my MySpace song for a long time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's jokes. 
Oh God, we're not going to get into that. But um, <laughs> one thing that was actually funny, bringing up MySpace, MySpace brought out the worst in a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another really bad segue. Track six, you bring out the worst in me. What do you what do you got? Because I think for me personally, I think I know where you're going to go with this. But what do you think of you bring out the worst in me? Uh, you bring out the worst in me, I think, was I got to say, like, it, at first when I heard it, I was kind of just like, OK, like they're going a little softer again. Kind of weird because I would have thought, you know, you know, you listen to most albums and it's, you know, the acoustic track is kind of surrounded by bangers because they want to be like, okay, by the way, this isn't all we're doing. Um, But I think it's great to be honest. I, uh, I think the verses are really well done. The way it builds is great. Um, And then you have that chorus kick in and it's just like, takes me back to fucking Fred on $3 bill y'all. Cause he's just fucking screaming his face off and uh, brings that chorus in hard as fuck. And it's yeah, I I like it personally. It was kind of the same thing. Like the first two times listening through, I was like, okay, like the chorus is sick, but that's about it. And then uh, it it actually really grew on me after a few lessons. It's a very different song. And for me, and that's interesting because it's just the kind of music listeners we are, I guess. Second, I heard it. I went, this is fucking amazing because the second it kicked into that, I think it was the first line for me. Because I thought it was strange that they dropped the record on Halloween. Yeah. Then I heard this song and went, okay, it's Halloween and I'm your ghost. I promise to haunt you the most. I was like, okay, Fred. Yeah. Okay, Fred. Like you're, there's something here. Like this is, and like, again, you know, Sam Rivers coming in with that clean bass, like fuck yeah. yeah. And then it kicks into a very kind of, almost different West Borland type of riffage. Like sure. there's not as much movement as he would normally have. Right. And it's like, it's such a brutal track and, you know, hearing Fred just scream his fucking head off is just, it's always good. Any, anytime Fred there screams, I'm for it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I agree. And, uh, and like, yeah, the lyrics in it too, like they're just mm-hmm. fucking great. Like you were talking about, I mean, uh, you know, the chorus, when you sleep, I'll be inside your dreams, inside your screams. And then even going into the second verse too, it's like, everything was perfect. Nothing felt so perfect. Even when you hurt me, every time I bleed, why you always thirsting, uh, you know, why you always curse me, you put a knife in me all for nothing. Like it's heavy and it's, it's definitely, yeah, deep and heavy. And like, you can tell there's so much emotion in that. And it's a, it's a very beautiful song. And I think, I think it's, it was a bold choice, I think, putting that song where it is on the record, especially after uh, an acoustic song. We had just mentioned, like, usually you surround it with an acoustic track with, like, heavy, yeah, you know, more up-tempo type shit. And, yes, obviously, the course is very heavy, but it's definitely a bold choice. But I think it's, it's a cool kind of halfway point where it's like, again, this is Limbiscuit in 2021. Yeah. This is how I would expect them to sound in 2021 
to me anyway, you know, it kind of like, it, it makes sense to me, you know? So I think you bring up, I think you bring up a good point there actually about it uh, being, you know, the halfway point in the record, because, you know, thinking about it like that, it, uh, it very much is the perfect halfway song in the record because really between the verses and the, and then how hard the chorus is, it's like kind of encompasses how the yeah. entire record sounds. It really does. Like, you know, you just, you get, all points of this record because there's there's softer stuff there's heavy stuff there's in between and it's all kind of in this song everything you want from a serious limb biscuit song quote-unquote yeah. is in you bring out the worst in me yeah. i would show this song to someone who doesn't like normal limb biscuit stuff but right. who likes like i have friends of mine that love build a bridge and um the, the more serious, limb, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Um, songs that aren't, you know, rolling or out of style or dad vibes. Like they like Fred being a rock musician. Right. And if you like that, you're going to like, you bring out the worst in me for sure. So I, I have to ask you bring out the worst in me. The sixth track here on still sucks. Is it a hit or a miss? That's a fucking hit, bud. Yeah. You're damn right. It's a hit. It's a hit. <laughs> like you said, bring out the worst to me, man. I'm definitely That's making it. that. Uh, I got to make that my fucking text ringtone. I'm gonna send it to you when we're done this. I promise. I'll pull it <laughs> off my soundboard app and send it to you. <laughs> Fantastic. That's it, man. But some people are probably gonna fucking hate that I'm doing that. But you know what? I love the hate, bro. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Seventh track on Still Sucks. Love the hate. Ah. What, what I mean, do you, what you got like I don't know. I can. I'll. I'll be honest. Love the hate. I can kind of take it or leave it. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of the uh, same, and I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a hit or a miss. If I'm honest, um, you know, I get it. Like they always kind of had these like skit styled tracks on records, and that's what this is. And uh, you know, it's just them poking fun at the fact of you know their gimmick, right? And that's mm. uh, they're always doing that. But that being said, too, I, I think like you know, they kind of do that enough in like their normal tracks and shit. I don't really think you needed a whole fucking kind of skit track doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it is for me, this track would have been great because it's also, it's a very short track. Right? It's not even, two yeah. minutes, it's barely two minutes long. I think for me, the record was already short enough. Yeah. Like I almost feel like this was a song that, if this was a 14 song album with two more like four minute tracks in between, I think it would have been a cool, fun little song. Cause like the chorus is cool. Like there's some cool, you know, uh, vibey, still heavy guitar work happening. And like, but like, for me, I'm just like, did we really need this kind of track? But again, I can kind of, I flip flop too. I flip flop too. It's like, there was some, it's a fun song, but like, yeah, I get. We really need it. You know? I, I think it's. I think it's going to be one of those tracks that over time it's either going to really grow on me, or I'm just going to be like, eh. One thing I will give it uh, for sure, though, is I love in the chorus you get that classic fucking, uh, you know, Fred uh, doing his own fucking backup vocals. I'm just mm-hmm. like we don't give a fuck. <laughs> like that's for me. That is why I say love the hate just for that fucking backing part in the chorus is a hit what about you we got to give it one or the other what if, if you gotta I know, give it something i know it's uh i'm so iffy on it you know what i'm gonna say 
Uh, I'm going to say it's a miss for me. Keep on rolling, baby. First one <laughs> of the podcast. Ah, oh, we were so close. <laughs> <laughs> as much as uh, as much as I am a big Eminem fan, or fucking Eminem. I was really, oh, I was, my God. What? No, I was, I'm just <laughs> I was reading the lyrics. When He's I no Eminem. Sure as fuck ain't no Eminem. Uh, yeah, anyway, so... <laughs> Looks like he's got Dre's pubes on his chin. I was chin, like, okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> I, uh, as much as I'm sure most people were probably expecting me, especially of all people, to give uh, give this entire album a hit all the way through. I get pleasant, it, though. You're going to be pleasantly surprised, I think, by the, yeah. time done, by the time we're done this. Well, and that's the thing too, right? Like I, I, I can probably almost guess, I think what tracks that you're, you're going to give misses to, but I'm actually surprised by this one. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's fun. You know, but no one likes someone who just, and I mean, I'm, I've been guilty of this before. That's why this hotters hit or misses thing is going to be fun because in the past, I have, anytime I've done reviews, quote unquote, I've been accused of being way too positive about everything. And right. it says, God damn it, dude, you got to have at least one song you say sucks. You got to have your one sucking song quota. And I'm like, you yep. know what? If people don't like what I have to do, though, if they don't like what I do, they're just a fucking barnacle on the bottom of my fucking hall. I'm going to scrape that shit off. Just like track eight here on Still Sucks by Limb Biscuit, Barnacle. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and take this real quick. Keep on rolling, baby. It sounds to me like Fred Durst walked into a room and said, hey, guys, hey, Sam, John and Wes, you know how I fucking love Nirvana? How would it sound if we wrote a Nirvana track or a 90s kind of grungy rock track? And they went, okay. And then they wrote this song. It's a fun song. It's a particle. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's a fun track. It's a cool track. I don't fucking need it. That's my opinion. What do you got? I 1000% agree. This is a mess. Keep on rolling, baby. This was, uh, this was easily my least favorite track on the record. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's still, it, it has its moments where I'm like, it's a fun song, but like, Eh, on a album where it's already so short, yeah, we can't have any like we can't have songs like this. Just I, I, you know, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, uh, I think the chorus is only the slightly maybe redeeming factor of yeah. it, but but for the most part, I would say uh, interesting take you took with the Nirvana perspective. I think that's cool. I uh, I kind of got maybe a somewhat similar vibe to that. I, uh, when I heard it and even listening back through the album multiple times too, every time I got to it, I would, I would still try and give it a chance. Mm-hmm. First of all, as soon as he said, this next song goes out to all you barnacles out there. I, I don't know why it is, but for some reason that line on its own, just super turns me off. <laughs> like as soon as I, I don't know why it just, it, it reminds me of like this, like parody, like sponge yeah. Bobby kind of like, I don't know. I just fucking, as soon as I heard that it fucking eat like right away, rubbed me the wrong way. And then, uh, and then even listening through the track, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't say Nirvana like you did. Like I said, that's an interesting take. Um, I 
somewhat similar in opinion though i i immediately thought like this sounds like one of those fucking late 90s like hard rock radio tracks that they just fucking threw on for no reason like like this song sounds like instrumentally it was made by like fucking fuel in like 1999 (laughs) yo be careful talking about fuel on this fucking (laughs) podcast (laughs) i fucking love fuel dude (laughs) fair enough but i don't need that on a fucking limp biscuit album listen don't leave love bleeding in my hands okay no but seriously i agree with you i think for me what turned me off as much as the course is great i liked it better the first time i heard it when mm. it was called sex type thing yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know you like like did it does anyone else hear that or is that just me yeah no i definitely yeah anyway i don't mean to talk shit i just that track for me is definitely a miss and i was kind of bummed because the second I heard that, this one goes out to all you barnacles out there. I was kind of like, oh, they're talking shit about people, yeah. which I can respect that. But <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, I think even going forward, to be honest, the this is kind of the turning point in the album for me. Yeah, for I get I get and I'm not shocked that that's your opinion, because it's almost like the rest of this album is going to leave chris with an empty hole in his heart because just i i get it again i don't necessarily agree and we'll definitely talk about that but track nine empty hole very moody acoustic song for the most part Mm -hmm. what did you think of empty hole overall i uh i don't know like it was Kind of the same thing as Barnacle in a way. I think I listened to it the first couple of times I went through the record and then I was kind of just like, eh, and uh, I kind of skipped it from there. I, uh, I Again, it's it's still a pretty well done, uh, like acoustic track in general, if we're not talking from a Limp Bizkit point of view. Um, I just feel like, as you've brought up a few times in this conversation already, right? Like we already have such a fucking short record here. Like so many of the songs barely even break the two minute mark. It's like, I don't want any time wasted. And I feel like throwing another acoustic track on it. It's just, eh, I don't know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a miss for me. I'll be honest. Keep on rolling, baby. And I get it. I absolutely get it, but I disagree. And that's okay. That's what makes this interesting. For me, it is the kind of track I have I, tried to look at this track like, OK, this is a track. I I, it, I didn't think I would hear Biscuit do a track like this as an original song. Right. And that's what I liked about it. It's very moody. It's it's a beautifully written song. It's a cool. It's got cool guitar for me. It's got a great course hook. For me, again, I get what you're saying 100 percent about it, like you added a couple songs onto this record. I think it'd be a really nice, if it was in the right position, I think it would, it would serve better. Yeah. But for me, it's a hit. I enjoy it, but that's, you know, again, that's what's so interesting about this guys is we can disagree on stuff. And I mean, I just feel like it's, I don't know, like, like you said, yeah, it is a beautifully done acoustic song. I will 1000% agree with you there. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I need it on a already super short Limbiscuit album that's been building hype for 10 years. I feel like, uh, 
you know, between this and especially Barnacle, uh, like we were just talking about too, it's like, you know, you're telling me in interviews that you guys got had like 35 fucking tracks. I'm like, this is what you went with. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I get, I totally get what you're saying. It's almost just making you want to pop a pill. Like I totally understand what you're saying, dude. I really do. Like, Holy fuck. That's bad. I've been doing it this whole time. I got to keep going at this point. I've had these terrible transitions. Can't deny it now. Yeah. Can't deny it, man. It makes you want to pop a pill. Track 10 pill popper. Interesting song. A, a, a another kind of heavy song. But what did you think of pill popping? Because for me, I think it is a, it's definitely a, a, a very unique track on this record. I think anyway. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, man. Um, the The chorus is pretty limp biscuit, I won't lie. Um, for me, when I actually get out of the verse, and uh, especially when it first kicked in, where you have the uh, the drums, like the snare and the kick, are very kind of uh, reverby and they're kind of EQ'd in that odd way. What I actually get out of it is uh, it actually reminds me of like some old school, like Manson. I get like, that. It, it sounds like it. Uh, it's the lead into like a fucking Manson or like Nine Inch Nails song. That's it. Like for me, like it's a very, it's a very unique type of riff for Wes. Like it's very, like, yeah. like you've already hit the nail on the head. Like very classic Manson, Nine Inch Nails, industrial kind of. Like yeah, it's a cool I, fucking song. It's a cool riff. Yeah, I think he definitely broke out some more of his. Uh, like kind of black light burn style on this uh, on this track for sure definitely so and i mean you know again anytime we get to hear wes or wes excuse me fred scream his head off like i'm for it <laughs> i'm all for it i definitely agree i think uh that's probably one of my only uh drawbacks i would say for the most part about like uh, significant other is how much he pulled back the screams compared to three dollar billion mm-hmm. Um, you know, he still obviously does on my record, but it's not, not nearly as much as, uh, as he does on the first record. And, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Anytime Fred screams. Fuck yes. We both agree. This one's a hit. Yeah. yeah. Right on. That's what we like to hear. Okay. It's a hit, but it, you know, we're getting near the end here. Track 11. And I'll tell you right now, man, I'm excited because as, as fun as this is after we're done, I'm going to go to the fridge and get myself a little snacky poo because this has been a God damn it. Snacky poo chalk 11. First time I heard this song, I right away, I got what Fred was going for. It's yeah. a throwback track. It's a very 90s track, 90s hip hop track. And I was like, okay, mm, you know, there's some cool moments on it. What did you think of Snacky Poo? I really liked what Lethal does on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think musically, it's a great fucking track, a really great hip hop track. Um, I won't lie, I don't really like what Fred does on it. It's, uh, I get that it's a lot more of those, you know, one of those more jokey biscuit tracks, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Not, not really a fan of what Fred does on this one. Not a fan of it. So are you saying that snacky poo is a miss for you? Uh, I'm going to say it's a miss. Keep on rolling, baby. I think the, I think the mock like West Borland interview is pretty funny. 
this song is a fucking hit for me <laughs> just because of that interview. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think the track's cool. I get what Fred was going for. I get that he probably really enjoyed doing that song because it's very, again, it's very classic. It's Big very, like, I do enjoy some like 90s hip hop stuff, like that very groove kind of, yeah. you know, I do enjoy some of that stuff. So, like, I got it, but I also understand why you wouldn't like it. But the second I heard that mock interview, yeah. I was just like, that is one of the funniest things I have ever heard. It's, Hello? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you like, <laughs> yeah. like Korean barbecue? Is, is this true? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like. I yes. think I would have. I think I would have liked it a lot more if it was just the mock interview. If <laughs> yeah. If they had done, uh, I think if they if they had mixed it in a way where it was just the mock interview and maybe uh, Lethal's track just playing like in the background the whole time, I think that would have been fun. Okay, I think I, I, get I think I think I would have dug it. I don't like I said I don't like what Fred does on it, um, but the the mock interview is fucking hilarious, and then uh, Lethal's track is really good on it. I would say I know we have to go hit or miss, and I went miss on it. It's uh, it's one of those for me that's kind of in between. I would say. But officially, you got to go miss. But officially, I got to go miss. Okay. I got to go miss on it. Okay. I mean, you know, you've had, you've only had, uh, well, we've had, you had three. It was Barnacle, uh, Empty Hole, and Snacky Poo. And I've only had one, which was Barnacle. So, I mean, I think we're doing okay, all things considered here. So, yeah. I, I've been right so far on the ones I thought were going to be misses for you. I've, I've been, I've been correct on that. But now we come to the final track. It's almost time for us to say goodbye here, folks on this exciting new segment here on the hotter show, hotter tits and mitches featuring my man, Christian dragged almost time to say goodbye, but we got to talk about the final track here on still sucks. Goodbye. What do you got for goodbye? Because this is a really, um, it's a really interesting track for me and i'm curious what you think about it because i i, I, don't, know. It, I don't know yeah i'm i'm going to go mess on it i'm not going to lie keep on rolling baby why a mess i'm curious i uh yeah just the same thing i just feel like i feel like it might not have been as much of a mess for me to be honest like the track itself isn't isn't terrible uh, I think the reason I'm going to miss on it, though, is just because I think the last few tracks on it kind of fell off so hard for me that I was kind of already in that mindset. Maybe over time, uh, I, I could come to kind of like it a little more. But, uh, you know, to me, it's just the album started falling off a lot after Love the Hate. The last, uh, not quite half, but, you know, the last, like, you know, I, you know, what fucking four out of six of the last tracks I kind of have is misses. And, yeah, uh, I get it. Yeah. Get it. Seven out of 12 ain't bad, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all in all, I think they would have been better off, uh, you know, in my personal opinion, if they put this out as an EP, which is all the ones I said were hits, like, I think I, I think <laughs> yeah. we would have had a better, we would have had a better time. For sure. And I mean, I absolutely respect what you're saying, too. And I mean, for me, Goodbye as a Limbiscuit song. Keep on rolling, baby. However, goodbye as a Fred Durst song. Yeah. Because I think 
that goodbye is a very beautifully written song. I think Fred sings beautifully on it. It's well written, beautiful acoustic guitar work. Doesn't feel like a Limp Bizkit acoustic song to me for some reason. I just yeah. I couldn't shake the fact that I was like, is this a Limp Bizkit song? The other acoustic tracks on this record, I feel, yes, it's a mature Limp Bizkit acoustic song. Goodbye does not feel like that to me. It feels like it is a Fred Durst solo song. And like I just yeah. said, you know, for me, it's a miss on the record. But as a, a song overall, that's just a Fred saying, hey, guys, here's this song I wrote. I think it'd be fucking great. So, yeah, I, I, I can totally uh, respect that opinion, too. I think, uh, you know, if Fred had put this out as a solo track or like I was saying, even about, uh, uh, you know, Empty Hole and stuff, too. Like mm-hmm. if I look at it as, uh, you know, not a Limp Bizkit track or sorry, not fucking Empty Hole, I meant uh, Don't Change. If I look at it as a not a Limbiscuit track, yeah, it's a well-written track, and uh, you know it's it's executed very well. I just don't believe it's uh, I just don't believe it belongs on a Limbiscuit record. Totally agree with what you're saying. Now we come to the final thing that we got to have to have a say here with is Limbiscuits still sucks a hit. Or a miss overall for you, Chris? I'm going to go hit. Yeah! It's a hit. And for me personally, guys, I got to agree, man. It's a hit. Yeah! Limp could Still Suck is a hit for both Chris and I here on this brand new segment here on the Hotter Show. Hotter's Hits and Misses. Dude, this has been a lot of fun. And I mean, I, yeah. I, know, I knew that we were going to get to this where it's like, I know we both enjoyed the record overall. Seven out of 12 songs being hits for you definitely isn't bad. That's respectable. It was 10 out of 12 for me, but I'm a sucker. I like everything. Everyone knows that. So it's not. Uh, <laughs> I would say, uh, yeah, I would say for me, like, uh, yeah, exactly. Seven out of 12 isn't bad. Um, you know, one thing I will say that uh, that makes it an overall hit for me is that it's still as much as, yeah, you know, there was, you know, five fucking tracks on there I wasn't a fan of. The record still kept me coming back. It still kept sure. me, still kept me going to repeat plays. And uh, on top of that, too, I got to admit, like, you know, as a whole, the record came out a lot fucking better than I thought it was going to. Yes. <laughs> if you told me, I messaged you about this. Yeah. <laughs> this came together very quickly, too. By the way, folks, this podcast, like, I messaged you the other day and said, "Dude, can we talk about how fucking great this record is?" And we both were typing the same thing. Yeah. Where I was like, it's <laughs> yeah. way better than I thought it was going to be. And he said yeah. the same thing. And I was like, I think that I thought it was going to be a mess, a big yeah. mess. I thought it was going to be meh. I thought there'd be I, some fun moments. And I was going to support it either way. I was going to check it out. But like, it has blown me away with yeah. the quality of songs on this record. I got to agree. Like the, uh, the songs that were hits were like fucking hits. And, uh, yeah, it came out a lot better than I thought. I thought that, uh, you know, and it tends to happen bands that have been around forever and especially bands that fucking wait 10 years to drop a record, you know, yeah. it, uh, you know, you, you get your hopes up. But then at the same time, I definitely thought this record was going to drop and it was going to be a one-time listen through. And I was going to be like, fuck that. I'm not listening to that again. <laughs> But uh, thankfully, that wasn't the case, and I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. 
that's it, man. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that we can both agree on that because you know, I know that you know, like you're you're like the only Limbiscuit fan I know that is not a, like a closet Limbiscuit fan. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I know lots of Limbiscuit fans, but like they wouldn't come on a podcast and say they're Limbiscuit fan. You know what I'm saying? So I <laughs> oh believe me, man. I'm the I'm the king of that. Like fuck, I'm wearing an Attila shirt right now. That's gotta be the <laughs> other that's gotta be the other thing that most people who closeted say that they fucking like is Attila. So uh no, I've I've never been the type of person, man, that really gives a fuck. Like I'll post uh I'm sure you see all the time. And if anybody listening has me on social media, like I'll post shit all the time that I like. Uh and I don't give a fuck. Like, fuck, man. I play in a deathcore band and I'll post some, uh, you know, Paulo Nutini, who's this like amazing fucking like soul guy from Portugal who's like just phenomenal. I love listening to it. I don't, uh, I super don't pigeonhole myself in what mm-hmm. I listen to. Which is good. I mean, you know, obviously, like, you know, before we go, I want to take a second to talk about kind of what you have going on. Like, obviously, the news that you joined Seagrave, I guess, well, I guess it was a, a couple of months ago now that this happened, but we haven't had a chance to speak yet. So what's going on with that? How has that been so far joining up with the with the guys in Seagrave? It's been great, man. I, uh, yeah, I joined up with them back in uh, May, but we waited quite a while to announce. Um kind of figuring out what we wanted to do with the direction and uh, the way that the guys wanted to go. It was, uh, it was welcome. Um, you know, they had a bit of a shortfall, unfortunately with their last bass player. And then um, I've always been pretty close with uh, Jacob, the one guitar player. And then he, he had mentioned it to me a few times in passing, like when we were at the bar and stuff, he's just like, you know, Oh man, you should come fucking jam with us. But it's like, when you're in the musician world, you know, how many fucking times, yeah. it did, you know how many times <laughs> you fucking hear that. And it's like, Hey man, we should write something together. And then nothing ever happens from it. So we just start a I, side uh, project, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even count how many of those conversations. <laughs> and, uh, but then one day he actually messaged me and he was just like, Hey man, we're jamming. And we we're like, you have a bass, like come out. And I was just like, yeah, all right, man, I'll come fucking check it out. And uh, it ended up going really well. And so right now we uh, we just played this show, uh, sold out show at Sneaky D's with uh, Beguiler, Pillars of Autumn, and Matria. It, uh, yeah. yeah, it went awesome, man. Like it, it sucked having everybody. We unfortunately, because of their uh, the current, or not current now, but at the time, uh, COVID restrictions, we had to have everybody seated and the venue was like under their normal capacity. So that was a little fucking weird playing a metal show with everybody seated and stuff. Uh, but other than that, the reception was great. Uh, all the other bands that night fucking absolutely slayed. Uh, we came out really fucking tight. Um, you know, our set went great. We had tons of compliments after, which is always nice to hear. And uh, especially being, you know, the most recent joined member, um, you know, I was nerve wracked as fuck. And especially too, because realistically, if, uh, I've only ever played one other show where I was on an instrument. Right. So it was, uh, it was weird for me not doing vocals, but kind of nice at the same time. It's nice to do something different. For sure. Well, that's awesome. I mean, keep an eye out and ear out for Seagrave guys. I'll have a a link down below for you guys. And also, of course, you know, Chris's uh, solo project dragged, you dropped a single a little while ago. I had John for actually, this is the second time you've uh, come on to launch a new segment uh here on the harder show it was hardest hits and misses and then also of course five questions with where we talked about your single the outset which i mean you know i still fucking listen to that track it's a banger if you haven't heard it go check it out i'll have some links down below and uh 
Just keep it locked. Everything Chris does, guys, because he's been a big supporter of the show. And, you know, he's a he's a badass fucking musician who deserves your support. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, the uh, the headset was uh, was great. It was really nice to uh, take that change in direction and uh, kind of go back to really the first band I was ever in was mm-hmm. uh, a lot more of that style. And I just fucking love that style to death. So it was uh, it was a ton of fun doing that. I definitely have more on the way in that style. I uh, I kind of have it a little bit on the back burner at the moment, just because I'm uh, trying to focus on Seagrave right now. We want to make sure we get another, uh, we want to get a single out soon and kind of really launch things, start getting heavy into show sure. rotations now that they're back. Um, so I, I, I can't say really when I'll uh, drop some new drag stuff, but I definitely have it on the back burner. I got like five tracks I'm kind of sitting on right now. So yeah. Awesome. Well, keep it locked, folks. When that happens, you'll be sure to uh, that you will hear it here on the Hunter Show because I will be wanting to share that with you guys. Chris, thank you so much, brother, for coming on. It's always a pleasure and doing this fun little journey with me talking about uh, whether or not Biscuit still sucks as a hit or a miss, man. It's been fun. Yeah, this has been a blast, dude. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. And of course, guys, we want to hear from you. One of the biggest reasons why I wanted to start up this segment is to hear what you guys think. So let me know. I'm going to have a poll up at some point, probably the day this launches. I haven't decided yet, but message me, comment, let us know whether or not you think Limbiscuit still sucks is a hit or a miss. I want to hear from you. Chris wants to hear from you. Message Christian, let him know too, because please do. he's going to want to know. He's going to want to know. <laughs> Always want to know. That's it, man. All right. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, dude. See you, man. All right, guys. There you go. As if there was any doubt, we both agreed that Biscuits still sucks is definitely a hit. But I want to hear from you guys. Please let me know. Go ahead and vote on the Spotify question thing there. If you're listening on the Spotify, there should be. I don't know how it works yet. We're still figuring this out, but there should be a... uh, a poll somewhere or a little thing for you to answer a question. I want to hear from you guys, whether or not you think it was a hit or a miss. Let me know your favorite song, or you can just do so on the social media as well. Comment and let me know what your favorite song was, whether or not you thought the album overall was a hit or a miss and what you thought of this segment. If you want to hear me do more stuff like this, obviously the music showcase here on the hottest show is something I'm still going to be doing because that to me, that's a little different. If I'm doing a full-on review, but, uh, you know, I definitely think I'm going to be doing stuff like this again, because this was a lot of fun and something different. Always trying to evolve here on The Harder Show and aim to keep you guys entertained. And if you were entertained, be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you haven't yet, leave a like if you enjoyed this comment, all that fun stuff. I really appreciate it. Be sure to share this with all your friends. Let them know there's a new segment on The Harder Show that you got to check out because it is a hit. See what I did there? Ha ha. <laughs> Thank you so very much for tuning in, guys. I really seriously appreciate it. Give you the old patented audio fist bump. Have yourself a fantastic rest of your day, and I'll catch you next time on The Harder Show. Take it easy, guys.